that's the truth, but it's always joyful. Um, and the reason why it's joyful is because I know I'm serving God. God has given me new life. Uh, and it gets me out of me and gets me out of the way so I can help others. I drive the church fan. Um, I greet people at the door. Um, and right now I am the leader of uh, Tuesday Night Recovery Through Jesus. I see people who are thankful, uh, people who are grateful, people who pull me to the side and tell me how much God's changed their life and how grateful that they are that they have arrived at church, uh, how grateful they are that they have a recovery group, how grateful they are that our church serves communion every week. It doesn't ask who you are and there's no, there's no uh, regulations as to whether or not you can come sharing the Lord's Supper. I see people um, who I thought maybe had lost hope, gain hope and become reemployed and become um, healthy and become, uh, get back on the right track to where God wants them, which is happy, joyous and free, you know? Um, and it's, it's rewarding, you know? And days that I feel ungrateful, I have to remember that that's what it's about. It's, it's not about me, it's not about how I feel. Even though God's word says we're supposed to serve with joy, some days I don't feel as joyous as I do as others, but um, that's not what it's about. It's about, uh, it's just about being kind and helping people, even when I don't feel like it. I just, I enjoy doing this, you know. Um, we are in need of another driver, hint, hint. <laughs> uh, because a week or two off a month would be nice. I wouldn't mind doing two or three weeks a month, but doing it every week sometimes can get to be too much but it's never so much that I won't do it. This is my tithe. Um, I tithe uh, financially by keeping a van full of gas. Um, sometimes I help by buying bus tickets and handing out bus tickets. That's also part of the transportation ministry. Um, and it helps people who are starting out new or who are struggling to get to back and forth to work. You know, outside of the van ministry, the bus tickets help a lot of people. Um, I feel like this is a part of what I'm doing, you know. I pray about it and God tells me to continue doing what I'm doing, so that's what I do. I think by showing kindness to people and showing up and doing my part, people see that in me and people see God. Um, I believe that kindness and truth and honesty speak more than words. I believe that uh, when we live life and we have an abundant life and we share it with others, it gives testimony that God can change lives and God's given me sobriety, God's given me a new life. So I try to act according to his purpose because his purpose is for me to be free and share freedom with other people. Brad is called to this ministry, no net, no line, no water, he's fishing every Sunday in a van. Each of us have a call. Every person in this room has a call. We are called to follow. And this call begins with new life. It begins when we make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Mark tells us in the beginning of the gospel that Jesus was sharing the message of good news. Good news, a message of hope, a message of love, a message that would change their life. Now is the time, 
he said. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives. Trust this good news. Now, more than likely, these fishermen knew who Jesus was. They knew Jesus. They may have even heard him preach and teach. They may have had a personal conversation with him. In fact, if we go to this story in the Gospel of John, the same call story of the fishermen following Jesus, we hear that John recognized Jesus from the boat on the shore, and he says, look, the Lamb of God. And so they probably knew him and had a relationship with him. So when he says, now's the time, now's the time, follow me, they drop everything, literally, and they go with him. Now's the time. It's not chronological time. It's not the schedule of the day. It's a decision. Time for a decision. Time for an action. A time for new life to begin in the good news. In Jesus Christ. Now, new life gives us some things. New life gives us new eyes to see things in different ways. New life gives us a perspective. Most of all, I think, new life gives us a new way of living. There's something that changes. The old is gone and the new is before us. When Jesus called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, that word right away or immediately comes into our attention. They walk away from their old life. They walk away from everything they knew and walked in a path that they did not know everything that was going to come into their future. And they trusted Christ to show them the way, the same way we do. We have to, show, we have to trust Christ to show us the way. They became drop-everything disciples. Drop-everything disciples. Disciples with a new call to be not fishers of fish anymore, but fishers of people to share that good news as Jesus was doing. You know, Mark tells us in this story that there's this undergirding foundation that we as disciples have, and that is belief requires action. Belief requires us to do something. We can't say, we love Jesus Christ. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. He does everything for me. I'm, he walks with me. He journeys with me. And then go about our own way, about our old way of life, and just come in here on Sunday morning and worship. It doesn't work that way. Because if we truly claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, everything in us shifts. Everything in us changes. Our decisions are made differently. The way that we live our life is different. And it might just be a road less traveled. It might be risky. It might be scary. But we're called to live differently. Paul tells us that we are all called. Now, I'm going to read to you from the church in Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, Ephesians here in just a moment, but he tells us that we're all called. I think some people think, oh, well, called really means that um, it's about the pastors, the ones that are set apart to live in this way of proclaiming the gospel and blessing the sacraments and ordering the church and serving the community. But no, 
we're all called. We uh, met as a board ordained ministry this last week, and there are so many candidates coming up for ordination this year, and I am delighted to tell you that Pastor Katrina passed with flying colors and going to be ordained in June. But we know that being called is not just about the clergy, because we hear from Paul him say this to the church in Ephesus, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, he's in prison writing this letter, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. A life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He goes further to say some will be teachers, some will be apostles, some will be prophets, some will be preachers. We're all put together differently, so we have different ways of expressing what God has called us to be. But we are the body of Christ, and it takes that fullness of body to bring about the fullness of God. God calls us to be fully alive. We're called to live a life of grace and truth, forgiveness and mercy. We're called to grow in faith, called to serve, called to transform the world. The Bible is brimming with call stories, isn't it? You can just read through the scriptures and you can see the people being called into this and called into that. And usually we have kind of a call story that we connect with. <clears throat> Esther, for instance. She's called by God to save her people from annihilation. And the scriptures say, for such a time as this, she's been called, put in this time, to say a word, to step in the gap. And she accepts that call, even though she knows that going to the king without being summoned might mean death. She accepts that call upon her life for such a time as this. And for such a time as this, God called Noah to build an ark. God called Abraham and Sarah when they were old to leave their home and take a new journey. God called Moses to deliver the people from bondage and slavery. God called Jonah, but he didn't want it. He didn't want that call. We hear that reluctant prophet, I don't want to do what you called me to do, God, but after three days in the fish belly, he decided otherwise. And he accepted that call to, to preach the word of God to people he didn't really like. God called Mary, a teenage girl, to give birth to the Savior of the world. For such a time as this, God called Peter to be a rock upon which the church would be built. God called Paul on a road to Damascus and set him on a path that would transform the world. And for such a time as this, God has something for you to do. God has called you to bring new life, to bring new hope, to bring new transformation to someone. Now you may be thinking, preacher, transformation of the world, really? 
Me? No, I love God. I love Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But you're talking the world here. How do I transform the world? Where in the world would I begin to start? I don't even know what my first step might be. Here's how we start. I want you to ask yourself two questions. First question, what breaks your heart? You know, kind of put that in your mind. What breaks your heart in the world around us? What breaks your heart? The next question, what brings you great joy? What brings you great joy? And what breaks your heart and what brings you great joy as they come together you will see how God is calling you for such a time as this to take a step. Frederick Buechner, author, theologian, says this, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness, your great joy, your deep gladness, and the world's deep hunger, what breaks your heart, meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So if you can discern your great joy and you can discern what breaks your heart in the world around you and you can intersect those two, then you can see how God is calling you, how God is nudging you and maybe even pushing you toward his purposes and the beginning of change and transformation I think about those in our midst, like Brad, who have found where their heart breaks in their great joy and they've stepped into that call in their lives. We have people in this congregation who mentor, who tutor and teach. We have people who hand out water bottles in the hot summer to people who are homeless. We have people in this congregation who write notes and cards and send them out into the body of Christ, encouraging them and nurturing them. We have people who step in and teach small groups. We have people who step in and work for justice and peace. We have people who continue to work with our children and our youth. We have people in this church who are called, amen? And we celebrate that. We celebrate the called in this congregation. I have another story to share with you. Um, it's not on video this time. I'll just tell you the story. We have a person in our congregation who um, is a contractor. And he builds apartment complexes. And what broke his heart was the poverty of children, all, not just in this community, but all over the world. And so he sponsored a child from Compassion International, found great joy in that. And so he sponsored another child, and then another child, and then another child. And he said one day he opened up his mailbox and found 48 letters from children all over the world in his mailbox. And he knew that that was not sustainable. He could not... He knew letter writing was such an important piece of this program that he couldn't keep that up. And so he called Compassion International and he posed this question. What if 
Every apartment I build within a complex sponsored a child for Compassion International. How could that work? And so he said that after the first two projects of 200 children, they began building child survival projects. And now all the properties, depending on the size, will pay out to Compassion International each and every month. And when it reaches a certain amount, then they start another project. One child to another child and another child, and now we're in helping children all over the world. I ask him, how many children do you think to date you have sponsored through this? And he said, I can't be certain, but I think anywhere from 650 to 750 children. Started with one child. He was called. He found where his heart broke and where he found great joy and put the two together and he was called in this way. When God touches our hearts, church, we live different lives, right? It all stemmed from his relationship with Christ and how that changed him. How he continued to step into that love and that grace and that forgiveness. And how he could make a difference. And one child transformed to 750 ch children. You got transformation. You got transformation. You see, when Jesus Christ touches our lives, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We cannot keep it to ourselves. It's impossible to do. We have to be fisher fisher people, fishermen of people. We have to, to share that in, in action, and we have to share it in our words. We live a new life. We are drop everything disciples here, use me kind of disciples. We step into that, and we live into that because we have a new authority, right? We have a new authority. We don't we don't longer live by the authority of me. We live in the authority of Jesus Christ and his reign. He is our Lord and our Savior, so therefore we step into that authority. And Jesus didn't promise us that it would be easy, right? Jesus never promised us that we would not have risks, that we would not have things that kind of came up against us. Jesus never promised us that uh, we wouldn't be uncomfortable. But he did promise us some things. He did promise us new joy. He promised us new life, new direction. He never promised that he'd call us once and never call us again. He said, it's continual, and I'm going to be with you. He said, whoever loves me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them you hear that? He said, as the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. And he said this, look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. We're not in this alone. Jesus walks with us and journeys with us, calls us and nurtures us and sends us. 
in his name.